Amen. You guys have a seat. Refuge, how you doing tonight? See, here's the deal. We just sang a song. There you go, Ben. Thank you. Thank you, band. You guys rocked it. Uh, hey, we just sang a song that we like uh, really believe here at Refuge, so we need to be a little more excited to be here because we basically just said last, year, last week we like cheered after I said Jesus wins. We all cheered, and that's basically what that song says. So uh, when I say what's up, Refuge, again, I need you to really act like, like Jesus is alive and you care to be at this place right now, okay? So what's up, Refuge? Um, hey, if you have a Bible, tonight we are going to talk about a guy named Elijah. How many people uh, were here this summer? at Refuge. Maybe you, you checked out summer, you were here, one message. Okay, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about what I talked about uh, the last week of Summer Refuge, but before we do that, I want to kind of divide the room up in a few different ways, okay? Follow with me. Um, there are two groups of people in the room tonight, and they range from all over the place. Let me give you a couple of, exa- couple of examples. First example is this. There are some guys here tonight. Guys, give it up for yourself. Guys. And there are some ladies here tonight. Girls, give it up. Girls are always more excited than boys. Okay, can we do that again? Guys, where are you at tonight? And you see they try to bring their voice like four octaves lower. Yeah, I'm here. And then girls always do this. Um, There are people in the room tonight that prefer cats. Where are you guys at? Cat lovers? Bridget, I know that's true from Thailand. There are people here tonight that prefer dogs. Anybody dog lovers? Now, I know there's a couple people in the room that hate all animals. Okay, Macy McCormick's back there. Uh, There are people here tonight that love the new One Direction album. Anybody love? There are people here that think it is like chalk, like nails on a chalkboard, you know, bleeding ears, the worst sound ever. Where are you guys at? Yeah? I actually kind of like it. I actually kind of like it. It's catchy. It's poppy. Okay. Um, no, it's got nothing on the new Taylor Swift album. I'm just going to throw that out there. There are people here tonight that like uh, PC over Mac, right? Where are my PC lovers at? Any PC lovers care? All my, biz- all my future businessmen just raised their hand. I would like to work on Excel and Microsoft money. Um, and all my Mac lovers, where are you guys at? Mac lovers? I'm a Mac guy. Um, iPhone, iPad, Mac, everything. It's all, uh, it's all, I love it. Macintosh is amazing. If Macintosh ever goes out of business like Hostess did, you will not see me anymore. I'm going to like crawl in a cave with Ben and Micah, and we're just going to be cavemen because there's no use in living anymore. Um, not really. That's not true. We would live because there's plenty to live for. Um, but here's the reality tonight. There are a lot of different groups all over the room. We could keep going. We could keep talking about different things that you like. But here's the reality tonight. We just sang about it, and we're going to jump into it as we talk about Elijah. But every week at Refuge, just if they're first time here, I'm so glad you're here. But here's what we're going to talk about every week at Refuge. Every week at Refuge and at Hope Church, we're going to talk about having a relationship with Jesus. That's like, we, we don't try to front. That's what we're about. That's what we talk about. That's what we push towards people. Because we believe there are people in the room tonight that have a relationship with Jesus. And that is awesome. But here's what I know. In a group this size of teenagers, there are people in the room tonight that do not have a relationship with Jesus. And here's what I want you to know for both sides there. Whether you're a PC lover or a Mac lover, you love cats, you love dogs, you like the new One Direction, you don't. You like Taylor Swift, you're a guy or you're a girl, you love Jesus or you could care less about Jesus. We are super, super, super glad you're here. And here's what you got to know. Every week you can come into this place called Refuge. And we're going to talk about the Bible and we're going to continue to talk about you need your relationship with Jesus. And hopefully, here's the goal of tonight, is that you will make one step closer, if not all the way there, one step closer 
to having a relationship with Jesus. Because we really believe, what's the point of all this if that's what we're not pushing students towards and adults in the main service and kids here on the weekend and even my preschooler. But that's really what we're about here. And so the reason I say that is because we're going to jump into a story about a guy named Elijah. Look at your neighbor and say, Elijah. First Kings chapter 18, there is a super, super epic battle that happens, and we talked about it. We're not going to go totally into it, but here's what I need you to do. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, I want you to go home, and I want you to podcast Refuge Media, or you can type Hope Baptist Church Student Ministry, and listen to that talk, because I promise, it's my favorite story in the Bible. There is this epic battle on this mountain called Carmel, okay? Like, it's like caramel, like caramel. Think like a flowing mountain of caramel. There's this huge epic, epic battle that happens on Mount Carmel. And here's why it happens, and it has to do with our story tonight. All right, y'all track with me. If you're tracking with me, give me a little thumbs up, actually. Okay, good. Um, There is a very, very, very wicked king in Israel named Ahab, okay? Ahab has this very, very wicked woman of a wife, okay? Does anybody remember what her name is? Jezebel. Okay, look at your neighbor and say, Jezebel. Again, never name your daughter that. I said that in the Refuge podcast back in August. Seriously, Jezebel is never a good girl name, okay? So you got this guy named Ahab. He's the king of Israel, and the Bible said there's not many more like him. He's the wickedest king of all. His name is Ahab. He doesn't care about God. He doesn't care about anything about the scripture or the prophets of God. He doesn't care. And he's married to this wicked woman named Jezebel, okay? And here's what you got to know is in that culture, They did not really care for the God of the universe, right? The God we see in the Bible. They worshipped somebody that they called Baal, okay? We all tracking on that? Baal. Um, Baal is basically an idol that they would worship thinking that Baal was going to satisfy. So there's this guy that comes on the scene, Elijah. Elijah comes on the scene as a prophet of God. He's sent by God. This is all the backstory. He's sent by God, and God tells him, I need you to go tell these people that I'm the real deal. That they are all worshiping this Baal character that's never going to satisfy them, never going to give them what they want. And thousands and thousands and thousands of people are following the leadership of Ahab and Jezebel to worship Baal. And you need to go tell them otherwise. So Elijah, we said in, in, during the summer that he's kind of like the avenger of Israel. Okay, that was when the avengers were out. I mean, this is seriously this epic battle scene that happens. He goes to Ahab and he says, Ahab, I want to prove to you that my God, the God of the universe, the God of the Bible, is who he says he is. And that your God, Baal, that you have all thousands and thousands of Israelites worshiping, he is nothing. He will never satisfy you. He will never give you what you want. He will never bring you to a place where you are satisfied and complete and have pleasure in this God you worship. I want to prove that to you. And Ahab says, okay, let's do this. And so they have this huge epic battle in 1 Kings chapter 18. I want you to read it tonight, and then I want you to listen to the podcast because we put a little stuffed animal up here as the altar animal. And, and we just said the whole story of basically this is God showing the whole world and all of people who read the Bible from here on out that he is the boss. Okay, th- I mean, it's, it's incredible what happens in 1 Kings chapter 18. We don't have time to jump into it tonight. But 1 Kings chapter 18, God comes down and says, I rule the universe. Baal will never satisfy you. Nothing you chase ever satisfy you. I know in the culture that you're living in right now, Israelites, you think, because everyone's saying it, that Baal will satisfy you. But I want to prove to you on Mount Carmel here that he will never, ever, ever, ever get you what you want in life. So we, we, we looked at it specifically the week you guys went back for, Christmas, or for, for, uh, for school to start. 
And here's what we said, how we correlated it to today's time. Because it's very easy to read those stories. Be like, oh, man, God's cool. Like, man, we, we really, like, that's cool. We had this huge epic battle, and, like, he won. He, like, proved his point. That's awesome. What does that mean for my life? And here's what we said, and I believe with all my heart it still stands today, is that there are thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of teenagers, your age, your best friends, maybe in this room. And, again, we're so glad you're here. But your culture gives you a lot of bales that says this is how you get happy in life. This is how you're going to get satisfied. Whether it's the American dream or that status or that state championship or that thing or that boy or that girl, if you just get there, and by the way, it never stops. You get out of high school, there's more to attain. You get out of college, there's more to attain. There's always this fleeting dream that there's something that will satisfy you. And we're going to go ahead and call that bail tonight. We said for you guys and your best friends and maybe even some of you, you are chasing with your whole heart this false God that will never satisfy you. And in 1 Kings chapter 18, we learn that God is boss and what God says is true. And as much as we can try, as much as we want to get to that place where we're going to feel satisfied, the Bible says it's never going to get there. You're never going to reach that point where you say, man, I finally made it. I finally made where I want to be. And that's what happened with the Israelites in 1 Kings chapter 18. And we asked the question, we said, we should be, are we that passionate about God like Elijah was? Because Elijah literally put his life on the line. Elijah said, here's the deal. My God's going to show up. And if God didn't show up that night at that Mount Carmel scene, they would have killed Elijah. It would have been the end of his life. And that was it. So we said, man, are we that passionate about your friends meeting Jesus? Are we that passionate about you introducing something better to your friends who are chasing after false gods? Are we that passionate? And I ask myself this question, am I that passionate? Do I just kind of cruise through my life? And I got Jesus. I'm cool. I come to refuge. I know all the songs. But there's good news tonight. You guys ready for some good news? Good news? Okay, good. There's good news tonight. Elisha, when we painted a picture of him, and he was. It was an awesome. God used him in big ways. But he, like, totally biffs it right after that. We didn't get into that, but we're going to get into it tonight, okay? So if you're in your Bible, 1 Kings chapter 18, Elijah is not perfect, okay? And that is great news for us because he just did this awesome thing at Mount Carmel. And then we read coming up here in the Bible that he just messes up. And you and I can find comfort in that because I don't know about anybody else in the room, but I'm not perfect. There's times in life where I just mess up, I miss it. And even out of times where God did something really cool in my life, like Mount Carmel, I go, man, I missed it. Something happens. And so we find hope in Elijah tonight. Uh, and we're going to read a few verses in, in 1 Kings chapter 19. And basically what we're going to do is this. We're going to find hope in three things that Elijah did. Are we cool with that? Three things that Elijah did, and then we're going we're gonna to get out of here. Here's the first thing that Elijah did. Um, as you're taking notes or on your phone or whatever. It's, here it is. Elijah doubted God. First Kings chapter 19, only verses 4, four and 5 are going to be on the screen, but I'm going to read a few ahead, so go ahead and keep those verses off until I get to verse 4. Here's right after Mount Carmel. Seriously, like, Elijah gets done with Mount Carmel. God just showed up, told everyone he's awesome, and then this happens, okay? Ahab, which is the king, told Jezebel that all that Elijah had done. So Ahab comes back home, and he goes, oh, man, Jezebel, it was a bad day. Like, a bad day for us people who worship Baal. And how Elijah killed all the prophets, because that was the end of the epic story, is all the people that were worshiping the false god, Elijah kills them. Like, he wipes them out. It's, a, it's crazy. He says, okay, this guy Elijah, he came, told everyone who, who God is, and then he showed us all up, God showed up, and then uh, he killed all the, our prophets, all our people who worship Baal. Verse 2, then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah. 
saying, So may the gods do to me and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Here's basically what Jezebel did. Wicked woman. She sent a letter, basically, to Elijah and said this. Elijah, I am going to kill you with all that I have. I'm going to try to kill you the same way you killed our prophets by the time I lay my head down tomorrow night. So be it to me if you're not dead, if I don't have your head on a platter. That is how passionately mad and angry I am at you, Elijah, the prophet of God. Wicked woman, okay? I don't know if you've seen any of you girls get this crazy, but stay away from me if you ever do. Okay, this girl is, she's got a, she's got a passion to see Elijah just murdered. She said, I want this guy out. I can't believe he did this. So she sends a message to Elijah that says, so be it to me also if you're not dead by the time I lay my head down to bed tomorrow. Then he was afraid, and he rose and ran for his life. And he came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. Here we go. Pick it up in verse 4 and 5. This is where Elijah doubted God. It says, but he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he asked that he might die, saying, it is enough now, O Lord. Take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. Here's what Elijah does. Elijah gets this message from Jezebel, and this guy just saw God do awesome, awesome, awesome things. And here's what he does. He leaves his servant, which is bad. He already has no accountability. Now he's just going by himself. And the Bible says he literally wanders all the way to this place where he just falls to a tree, and he says, I'm done. God, literally, I want you to take my life. I'm going to fall asleep right now, and I want you to kill me because I don't care what you just did at Mount Carmel. I am done. I quit. I don't want to be a prophet of God anymore. I would rather die than to keep doing what you wanted me to do, God. You said, why is that good news? Here's why it's good news. It's because me and you sometimes, if we're honest, and that's what we want to try to be here, and I, like, you know, pastor guy, I find myself sometimes sitting under a tree, and I think, God, I don't want to do this. Man, there's times in life where stuff gets hard, and if we're honest tonight, whether that's we always hear these evangelism talks, we always hear, man, your friends need Jesus, we always hear, man, who around you needs God. Sometimes, if we're honest tonight, we're like, gosh, it's so hard. It's so hard. I I don't, I would rather just sit for a minute. Goes on to say, an angel of the Lord comes to Elijah, basically tells him, I think it's on that next slide. Is there a next slide where the, the verses are? No? Okay. An angel of the Lord comes to Elijah and says, hey, Elijah, get up. Here's some food. You just need to rest for a minute. You just need to chill. So for me, here's what that would be like. I don't know what it would be for you. But for me, it would be under a tree, you know, laptop out, Netflix, and double-doubles. Okay? I don't know what that would be for you. But Elijah sat under a broom tree. Maybe he liked those types of trees, lots of shade. And the Bible says he had bread and water. For me, that would be Netflix and double-doubles, and fries, okay, animal style, all of them. And I'd be sitting there, and the Bible says for 40 days and 40 nights. This isn't like he takes a couple days of a nap, okay. 40 days and 40 nights, Elijah just stops. So that's kind of a bummer. This guy just saw God do crazy things. For a moment there, he doubted God. Here's what I really believe, and this isn't in the Bible. This is just Scott right here. This is what I believe, some, some part of Elijah in this story. Here's what I believe. Elijah just kept going and going and going, and he never stopped, and he never rested. He just was going and going and going and going. Now, here's what I believe, and this isn't to hate on you guys, but I don't necessarily believe in our culture now, teenagers are just, like, so tired of, like, doing the Lord's work so much that they just need to chill, okay? 
I don't know, maybe you are there tonight. If you're there tonight, that's, that, that's not a good spot to be. But that's usually not the norm. Here's what our norm is, is we go so much in life with, with, with our school, and some of you have jobs, and now this new thing that we just can't get away from, which is just media all over the place, we basically never stop in life, ever. Like, we never have moments where we're under a tree, and there's nothing going on in our lives, where for 40 days and 40 nights, we're just sitting because even if we were just sitting, what I just said is true for our generation, that we would have Netflix on, we would have our earbuds in, or we would be scrolling our Twitter feed, or we'd be commenting on pictures on Facebook, or we'd be figuring out some way to keep busy. But Elijah had some space in his life. Maybe you don't know what I mean, so let me try to explain it a different way. Elijah had some quiet in his life. For 40 days and 40 nights, this guy sat and pondered and thought about all the stuff that God had done. And yeah, for a moment there, he told God, I'm done. I quit. I can't do this anymore. But for 40 days and 40 nights, the Bible says that the angel of the Lord came to him, basically encouraged him, said, here, eat, get up. Eat, get up, eat, get up. So not only did he doubt God, but I believe part of that was he, he, he was, it was to create space in his life, create a quiet moment in his life. Because here's the second thing that we're going to read about that Elijah did. Not only did he doubt God, but he also heard from God. Elijah heard from God. Skip down a couple verses in verse 9. Here's what it says. Finally, he got up after 40 days and 40 nights, and it says, There he came to a cave and lodged in it. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. So finally, this dude gets up, and he goes into this cave, and the Bible says that a word from the Lord, in that space, in that quiet, God spoke. A word from the Lord came to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I even only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. Here's basically what he's saying, and maybe you can resonate right now with Elijah. He's saying, God, it is so hard right now. You don't understand. I go to my school. I talk to my family. I'm in the business, and I'm trying to do what you want me to do, but nobody's listening. And I'm trying to give those life books away. I'm trying to have conversations with my friend about God. I'm trying to, I'm really trying here, God, but none of these people are listening to me is what Elijah says. You don't understand, God. I'm trying all I can to be a prophet of you, but nobody's listening. They all want to do their own thing, and they all want to worship Baal, and some of them are getting killed, and I don't know what to do. Go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by. And this is where another crazy thing happens to Elijah. And a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. It's kind of a weird thing to see in the Bible. What does that mean? And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. Before we get to that low whisper part, here, here's, this is weird. Finally, this word from the Lord comes because Elijah creates some space. He creates a quiet, and in that quiet, he hears from God. And he says, go out, basically, and stand on the side of this mountain. So Elijah walks out and stands on the side of this mountain. And out of nowhere, I don't know if it's a tornado or if it's just a really strong wind, but something comes along and just starts ripping rocks apart. And Elijah's like, what is happening? And the Bible says that God wasn't in the wind. 
right after the wind's done, this earthquake comes. And Elijah's shaking and rocks are flying everywhere, but it says the Lord is not in the, rock, in the earthquake. Right after the earthquake comes, the fire comes and starts burning all this stuff up around Elijah. And Elijah's sitting there going, okay, wind, earthquake, fire, God, what's going on? And right then the Bible says, maybe your translation says a still, small voice. But this translation says a low whisper speaks to Elijah. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance to the cave. There's a lot we could pull from that tonight. Here's one thing I want you to take from it. God wants to speak to you. God wants, whether that's in his word or in that quiet moment where you're just sitting before God or you're in a time of prayer right before school or right before you get on the bus, something, you just say, God, would you just kind of use me today? God wants to speak to you. This isn't just Bible stuff. This isn't like you have to have a degree in Bible college to have God speak to you. But like you're a seventh grader getting ready to go to Del Webb or you're a 12th grader getting ready to jump into Foothill High School for the day. God wants to speak to you. The question you and I have to ask ourselves, and I promise I ask all these questions of myself before I get up here and talk to you guys, is, is there time in my day for that even to happen? Like, if I lay my head down at night and I think, when would God have spoken to me? Because here's what we know. The Bible says, yeah, sure, God can throw something crazy at you, and sometimes he does. But the Bible right here says that there was this crazy wind, and all these rocks are flying everywhere. And then there's an earthquake, all these big, huge things. You think, man, God would get his attention there, wouldn't he? But the Bible says that there's this still, small voice, this low whisper. Here's what I think the Bible says that. Again, we could pull a million things from this passage. Here's what I want to pull from it. We go too much, we go too fast, we fill our lives with way too much stuff. But sometimes we sit back and think, why isn't God talking to me? Why don't I hear these things from God? Man, my friend shared in small group last week that there's like God's doing something in his or her heart. I don't understand that because maybe sometimes we don't even give God a chance. We don't even give slots on our calendar for God to even speak into our lives even if he wanted to. Because our iPod's always on. Facebook's always on. We're always checking our Instagram feed. And when in the moments of our lives would God have that gentle, still, small voice? And I got to ask that question because we live in a very busy, busy, busy culture now. But we have to be very careful because we could go a whole day and never stop doing something, even if it's moving our fingers on a phone. We never stop, ever. Maybe I'm the only one, but... Are there quiet moments in your life? Imagine this scene. I mean, when you read the Bible, you've got to kind of have an imagination because the Bible says some crazy stuff. And if you don't have an imagination, you'll just kind of breeze by them. Like, oh, yeah, there's wind and there's earthquakes and there's fire. No, imagine this guy is on the side of a mountain. Maybe you've been on one of those overlooks before and looked out and saw the city. Whatever, that's Elijah's view right now. And all of a sudden, boulders are flying and the whole ground's shaking. And then the whole side of the mountain's on fire. That's like a big, huge thing. And sometimes God speaks through those. On October 6, 6, 2009, God spoke in a huge earthquake, fire, wind moment. This kid named Bryce Worthington was born, okay? That was, I mean, you see that, you're like, dude, life just came out into this world, and it's mine. Like, I am entrusted with this kid. Again, it happened August 22nd, Avery was born. I mean, that's a huge, like, big fire, earthquake, wind moment. But let me tell you a, a, a low whisper moment was when I got back from Thailand, 
Bryce was so happy to have me home. He goes and turns all the lights off and jumps on the couch and curls the blanket up and just lays on me. Okay, that was like, man, the, the, the birth was crazy. I had a son. That was cool. But this is like a low whisper moment. God is awesome right now. Maybe for you, you're like, I don't have kids. I don't, can't relate. Okay, that was my own thing. Maybe for you, it's camp, right? Everyone, maybe everyone in this room or a lot of people went to camp. Camp is kind of a fire earthquake moment, dude. Everything is just you know, pedal to the metal, worship's just amazing, the speaking's amazing, it's loud, it's awesome, and we're all there with our camp shirts, and we're dressed like hipsters, and dressed like, you know, thrift store prom, and we think, this is it, man, God is so showing up here. Yeah, I believe God moves at camp like you wouldn't believe. I love camp, and I believe as we do events in the future, God's going to show up at those big events, and you guys are all going to be there, and it's going to be awesome, but here's what I believe also God does. 15 minutes before you get in the car to go to school. You sit down with your Bible, no lights, no music, no Pastor Vance, no Scott, no Ben. You sit down with your Bible, the Word of God, and a moment happens where God says, here's what I want to tell you today. Before you walk into Silverado High School, before you get in the car and try to have a conversation about Jesus with your mom, here's what I want to say to you. We've got to look as Christians at the quiet moments in life. What is God doing in your life in the quiet moments? I'm always going. I'm always, always, always going. And maybe you are too. And in this story, as I read it this week, I thought, man, not only did Elijah doubt God, but I believe he created some space in his life where he could hear from God. He doubted God, yes, but he also heard from God. Here's the third thing he did, and we're going to move on. Elijah acted on what God said. We're not going to read the whole rest of the story, but here's the basically the story goes on to say. After he sees all this and God wasn't in the wind or the earthquake or the fire, he was in that small, still small voice. The Bible says, God told Elijah, here's what I want you to do, Elijah. I want you to get up and I want you to go back to the people that I've called you to minister to. I know you're, you're burnt out. I know you're tired. I know you've been sitting under this bush doubting me for a long time. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to stand up, and I want you to go back because I want to use you. So follow me as we go back, and we tell these people that they're worshiping a false god, and that I'm the real deal. I want you to do that, Elijah. And here's what Elijah does. He does it. The rest of the story is Elijah goes back, and he commissions this other prophet named Elisha. There's a couple dudes named Elijah in the room. They're sitting right next to each other. How cute is that? Like Elijah twinning, okay? He commissions this guy, Elisha, to do what he wanted him to do. All because he heard God and he acted on what God said. Say, what does that have to do with me? We believe here at Refuge, and again, as I started off tonight, we are always going to be talking about this because there's nothing else to talk about. Don't have church if you're not going to talk about Jesus. Here's what we believe. We believe no matter where you are tonight, whether you're at Foothill High School, you're at Silverado, you're at Sylvester Junior High, you're at, you're at Las Vegas Academy, you're at Lake Mead, wherever you are, you go to school, God has planted you there for a purpose. We believe that what family you were born into, that wasn't an accident. God gave me Bryce and Avery for a purpose. God gave your parents you for a purpose. We believe that as you look at your school, as you look at your lunch table, as you look at your family, as you look at your sports team, that God said, this is where I want Carson. This is where I want Silas. This is where I want Sarah. I want them right here, right now. Why? So they can get really good grades and they can be the best son or daughter or they can be state champions. Or they, maybe that's the sugar on top, but so you could be a light for the gospel. 
That's what we believe. And here's the deal. If you get sick of hearing that, you're probably going to start coming to re- stop coming to refuge. But that's all we're going to talk about all the time is that Jesus plants you where you are for a purpose. Not so you can make the best life possible. So that he could use you in a God way to do amazing things in the world. You could actually be a part of changing the world. That's what we believe. So just like he told Elijah, I want you to go back to the people I've called you to. I think that's what he's telling us tonight. Have we shifted down into cruise control at your lunch table? For me, have I shifted down into cruise control in the circles in my life where I know there's people that don't believe in Jesus? Or maybe it's your sports team, or maybe it's your family, or maybe it is your school in general because you have four classes that you know a lot of people and you know God's placed you there, but you kind of just have, have just been chilling out. Man, I don't want to do this whole, like, Jesus thing. I don't want to be a light. And Sometimes I just want to get in my class and do my thing. Well, tonight, Elijah and First Kings is telling us, like God told him, go back to the people I've called you to. I'm going to ask you one question kind of before I invite the band up. Here's the question. Are you and I following Jesus, or are we standing still in Jesus? Here's what I mean by that. Following Jesus shows action. Like, am I following what Jesus is telling me? Am I following? Am I walking? Is there movement? Is there action in my relationship with Jesus? Or am I standing still over here in my relationship with Jesus just saying, yeah, amen, yep, oh man, that sermon was good at refuge. Or, oh man, Ben rocked that song. That was great. And we're just standing here kind of doing our thing, but we say we're Jesus followers. Well, as Jesus followers, there should be movement. There should be motion. There should be progress. And that's not you trying to figure out how to make your life the best you can be. It's you following Jesus. And as he says to go, as he says to speak, as he says to move, as we're creating those moments in our lives where we can listen, we're following what he says. We're following after him. See, the problem is Scott sometimes stands still in my relationship with Jesus. I'm not going anywhere. The Great Commission says go, I'm not going. Go and make disciples of your lunch table and your sports team and your family. Go and make disciples of your Spanish class. But I'm sitting over here and I'm standing still. The problem is too many Christians, we just think that's just how Christianity operates. That's just what we do. We come to church, we learn about Jesus. We go home, we maybe tweet about it. It was a great sermon, a great thing. Man, Pastor Vance brought it tonight. That's it. Elisha doubted God, yes. But he created these moments in his life where, he could, where God could speak to him, and God did speak to him. He heard from God. Do we create those moments in our lives? And then when he heard from God, he acted on what God said. He followed after him, and God did amazing things. Now we look back at the Bible, and we think, man, Elisha is one of the greatest prophets in, in the Old Testament. He did crazy things for God because he listened to what God said, and he acted upon. 